last week. How many of you here last week? Alex Gilbert bringing the word from Zeal Church. Killed it. That's my brother. That's my brother. I told him, I was like, I would have done way better, but good, good try for sure. I always tell him, I'm just a better looking version of you. It's fine. It's fine. Hopefully you watch this, Alex. No, I love him. He brought a word. He's doing amazing things down there in York City. Uh, I would encourage you at least to, uh, in some way, shape, or form, check out what uh, God is doing through Zeal Church uh, down in the city. But last week, he, he was here, and he blessed us with the word uh, from Second Peter, the end of chapter 1. And he challenged us specifically with what he called the reason to remember. The reason to remember. And his closing was that we should remember by resting in the word of God. Resting in the word of God, the three R's, or the, the, way, the acronym that he gave us for rest was recalling the word of God, exercising the word of God, submitting to the word of God, and then trusting in the word of God. And now, we get into chapter 2 of Peter's second letter to the church, um, and he transitions a little bit from talking about the importance of this book, uh, which I wonder if he knew he'd become a part of it. Probably not. Isn't that crazy to think about? He's encouraging us to trust the word of God while maybe not knowing he was going to become part of the word of God. That's a weird thing to think about. And yet Holy Spirit used him so clearly in that way, and he transitions from uh, the importance of the truth of the word, the importance of prophecy of scripture. Uh, And I love that Alex went there talking about uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled so many of them, and the statistical likelihood of anybody even fulfilling like 10 of them is these crazy numbers, and yet Jesus the one that so many doubt, for some reason, fulfilled 300 plus of them and more to come. And then he transitions from the truth of the word to speaking against those that would pull us from the truth of the word. Here's the reality of what we're about to talk about today. Today will be a strong word. It'll be a tough word. It's a needed word. Because if we believe in the importance of the word of God, the way Alex talked about it, then we also have to realize there's people trying to pull you away from it. More specifically, there's an enemy trying to pull you away from it. So we need to get serious to understand what false teachers look like, what false ideologies look like, the importance of distinctions between religions, these different uh, beliefs and things that we tend to entertain. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. And why it's important. So I encourage you ahead of time that this will not be your fluffy Jesus loves you message. The message comes because Jesus loves you. So let's pray. And we're going to get into verses 1 through 11 if you would pray with me. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room right now. That they are made in the image of God. That each of us has been crafted by you and for you. So Father, I ask for those that know you in the room right now, that you would continue to shape and mold us to be used by you in more powerful ways. For those in the room that might think we know you but don't, or those in the room that are just here because we got dragged here, I just pray all of us would feel encouraged that you make no accidents so we're here on purpose. So Father, we just simply submit this service to you. We say none of this is about us or about a building or about a single church. It is all for the glory of God and the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who is present in this room. Would you help us to be attentive to your spirit? We love you. We trust you. This is all for you. 
And we celebrate like we're in heaven and all God's people sang, amen. Come on now. Benjamin, amen, amen. You got to put a little vibrato in it. Let's try one more time, okay. I need the vibrato, okay. So the amen, it's got a waver, okay. You gotta, if you need to go like this, do it. Let's try one more time. Here we go, ready? Amen, do it like a southern person. Amen, amen. I went a different route. You went a different route. God was glorified. Okay. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get into the word, family. Let's get into the word. This is, again, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It'll be on the screens. Uh, I'd encourage you to read it for yourself. Starting in verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false preachers, teachers among you. Again, he's talking to us now. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction to themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Disrepute, sorry. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you, we're going to talk about that word, with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has been long hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood of its on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, see how he's doing this kind of paradigm thing, he's shifting back and forth. If he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Someone got to hear that this morning. The Lord knows how to rescue the righteous from trials. Anybody feel like you're in a trial this morning? Anybody feel like you've walked through something tough? Anybody been there? Anybody, how about this, going to be there? You will. The Lord knows how to rescue you. And he also knows to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bring, bringing judgment on them from the Lord. All right, anybody want to exegete that for me? I'm going to give you my first point right off the bat out of uh, verses 1 through 3, and it's this. Don't entertain those looking to exploit you. I don't have a clicker, by the way, Jess. That's on you. Don't entertain those looking to exploit you. We're going to sit. I only have two points today. You all know I like my three-point messages, but I felt like the Lord just had two things for us this morning. And this one is where we're going to spend most of our time. Don't entertain those looking to exploit you. Let me read verse 3 again quickly to you. And it says this, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. It's an interesting word choice here by Peter the, that false teachers and those looking to pull you away from what we talked about last week, which is the truth of the word of God, those looking to pull you away, he calls false teachers, and he's saying they want to exploit you. I'm pretty passionate about this, especially working with young people, because young people have 
especially in this generation, have more access to information than ever in the history of the world. And because of that, we have a ton of confused young people. A ton. And I can say a ton because we literally work with a ton of them. Well, not a metric ton, but come on, y'all. You know what I'm saying? We work with a lot of young adults. We work with a lot of youth. And so many of them are confused. They don't know what to believe. Why? Because they can jump on TikTok and get 15 different world ideologies in two minutes. Of course they don't know what to think. So I'm passionate about this idea that there's people that want to exploit us and pull us away from the only thing that's true. I was one of those young people who believed a million different things. I was big into science. If you know my background, I had a biochemistry degree. So I always wondered, well, how do we balance uh, religion and science? How do we do that? I don't understand. And God eventually taught me over time. But I understand the idea of being pulled by different teachings. And I see people all over the place who have friends leading them away from the truth, therefore exploiting them. I watch as celebrities and media voices impact us just because they have a lot of followers and they're exploiting us. I watch women give their time to men who are just trying to exploit them. I watch men give their time to women who just get used for control and comfort and they're exploiting them. And maybe just to get to more of the heart of this passage specifically right here, we have spiritual leaders who aren't actually leading us towards God. They're doing things that look sound and make us feel a certain way and we follow, therefore we're being exploited. I'm only two minutes in. Thank you, fam. And that's what Peter's saying here. He's saying, hey, there's, there's things, people, beliefs, teachings all over the place that are going to actually pull you from the importance of remembering the word. You see how these things all tie together, right? We got to track through scripture that way. And I believe this is Peter's heart because at the time in the church, specifically Jewish people, there were a ton of Jewish people involved in these churches who weren't fully buying into the idea that Christ is it. So Peter had to write this letter, and he wasn't just writing it to the Jewish people, like pulling people the wrong way, who were saying like, no, 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 you still have to follow the law. You still got to do these things. You still have to act right. Christ can't be just enough. You still got to do the right things. And that was false teaching. But there was other beliefs as well, right? Like back in Roman culture specifically, but throughout all, all, all different times, there's been fake gods and they had these big golden statues and they worshiped all kinds of different things. Can I encourage you friends? We might not have big golden statues, but we worship a lot of things today. We worship a lot of stuff. I mean, shoot, we could pull your phone out right now and see what you've spent the most time looking at. You're worshiping it. And Peter's heart is right here. He's, he's talking about these idols, these gods, these teachers, these ideas, these beliefs. And he's saying, no, you're being exploited. If I were to ask how many of us in the last week have been exploited, all of our hands should go up. Because we've intook something, we've listened to something, we've understood something, we've spent time with people that haven't been pushing us towards Jesus. And I don't say this in this legalistic way of like, you can only have Christian friends. No, please go have non-believing friends and love them. But are you listening to them too much? Are you starting to do the things they do? Guilty. So Peter, I think, is drawing this line in verses one through 11. He's drawing a clear line in the sand and saying, no, there's one truth, family. The word of God is the only truth. It's the only thing that matters. There's one way, and we shouldn't even entertain those teaching us anything other than Jesus. Friends, this isn't a popular message. 
I already embraced that today would not be a popular message. Uh, I love what my brother Francis prayed in our pre-prayer meeting. I don't know where you're at. Uh, but he said, I just love being a part of a church that's not afraid to say the hard stuff. So we're going to say some hard stuff. This isn't a popular message for a lot of reasons. This isn't a popular message because we have cultural pushes for tolerance and universalism. If you know what that means, that just means you can believe whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And we got uh, whatever you think is right and your truth is your truth. And the way I word it to the youth is you do you, boo. And Peter's going the dead opposite direction. I mean the dead opposite direction. And saying, hey, stay away from beliefs that aren't Jesus. And of course, we know this doesn't mean we judge or hate people. Uh, to me, the, the cultural stigma that church is judgmental and church people are this, that, and the other. I, I hate that, man. Like Anybody who says that can come talk to me, and I promise you, you're going to feel love by the end of the conversation. Okay? In my head, I might want to slap you, but I'm not going to do it. Okay? Because Jesus is love, right? So we love. And yet, love does not mean entertaining garbage. I would even challenge us in this, when we entertain garbage, maybe we think we're loving them. Not only are we not loving them, we're not loving ourselves either. So love looks a certain way. The reason that people think church people are weird is because they don't actually know what love is. Well, love means you have to accept everything that I think, and you have to believe everything I believe, and if you don't, whatever. Well, okay, well, then we, believe, we view love very differently, friend. I'm going to love you in my way. That doesn't mean agreeing with you. So this isn't a popular message. It's not all these things, but I just need to put this out there. There is a difference between loving someone and entertaining their thoughts and, a belief, and beliefs in a way that influences you. Verse 1 literally says, check this out, second half of verse 1, it says they, talking about these these, false teachers and people pulling you away from the Lord, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Sounds like churchy language. Fine, I'll change it. They're going to feed you garbage and make you think about garbage. They're not going to tell you about Jesus, and they're going to make you think about other things that aren't important at all, are wasting your time, are killing you, hurting your relationships, all the above. So I just ask us this question uh, today, this morning, what have maybe we, we, this is an us thing, what have we maybe been entertaining that's actually destroying us? What have we been entertaining that might be in this definition false teaching? And we're going to break down false teaching here in a second. But what maybe have we been entertaining? So I think I'm going to talk about two levels of this idea of false teacher, which this is not the only time this shows up in scripture. This shows up quite a few times, but Peter's really emphasizing it. Two levels to false teaching that I want to talk about. One, there are false teachers in the church. There's false teachers in the church, which is crazy. Like you go to a a church building and you're you're going to be safe, right? And yet if I were to ask, and I don't want the show of hands because it will hurt my heart, but if I were to ask the number of people in this room that have quote unquote church hurt, it'd probably be a bunch, And some of that's self-inflicted. Some of it is not self-inflicted. And some of it is because there's false teachers in the church that either intentionally or completely unknowingly, to give people some level of credit, there's people who, who have good intentions and just either don't know the word or have been taught wrong and then somehow got a platform. And next thing you know, they're actually leading. Did you, do you know you can read this and lead people away from this? Isn't that crazy? 
So there's false teachers in the church, and then I think the second thing is that there's false teachers in our lives, just generically throughout life, that are pulling away uh, us away from Jesus in the way, the things that they say, the ways that they act. Uh, these will be friends, relationships. Oh my gosh, I almost want to sit there for a little bit because I just drives me crazy how many people get into what the Bible literally calls unequally yoked relationships, and we justify it, and we're like, well, he's cute, and he goes to church. Uh, okay, wonderful. And next thing you know, you see what? That person start to be pulled away from the Lord. This is not new news, family. Gosh, especially with young people, we just watch it all the time. And it's like, ah, wait, be patient. Find someone who loves the Lord. So it could be relationships, families, teachers, and professors. I had professors in college that really influenced me negatively. Uh, People you follow on social media could have been any of these things. Let's start with false teachers in the church. False teachers in the church. I want to encourage you um, as a uh, member or attendee of Grace, part of the Grace family, if you're here regularly or, uh, or you just check out every once in a while, um, I can attest for every single person on the staff of Grace Fellowship Church that they deeply love the Lord. We sit in meetings, we sit in pastors' meetings, we, we go to each other's houses and have dinner, and, and all of us, without a doubt, can look at each other and say, you ain't that. <laughs> So when we read this, you got good people here, okay? I'm probably the lowest on the totem pole, all right? But, oh, that wasn't funny? Okay, all right. We'll try again later. So this false teachers in the church, this literally implies this from Peter, again, because he's writing to churches. He's writing to Christians. It implies that you can go to church and literally be led astray. Well, I showed up here to pursue God. I showed up here to learn. I showed up here because I was curious and actually have people lead you astray. There's false teachers in the church. I want to challenge you just because they're engaging doesn't mean it's truth from the heart of God. If I just got up here and was, had a lot of charisma, but I'm not pointing you towards Jesus, stop listening to me. I'm serious. They could be engaging. That doesn't mean they're pointing you to the heart of God. Just because it's a successful ministry numerically doesn't mean it's truth from the heart of God. Just because they're good looking doesn't mean it's truth from the heart of God. Just because they say what you want to hear doesn't mean it's truth from the heart of God. Just because they wear a suit every single Sunday and look super dapper doesn't mean it's truth from the heart of God. Just because they lead worship in a way that evokes your emotions doesn't mean it's from the heart of God. How about this? Just because they said God said it doesn't mean it's from the heart of God. Just because they said God said it doesn't mean it's from the heart of God. One of my favorite sermon series was from Judah Smith out in the West Coast, and he, the entire series was called uh, I Think God Said. It was literally the title of the series. And his whole point was we, we got to be really careful claiming to people God said this to us. Because then we have two options. I'm going to ignore you and think you're crazy, or I'm going to listen to you because God said it. So maybe we should err on the side of I think God said let's discern together. That's another thing I would encourage you in. If you follow leadership that doesn't let you into the process, uh, I don't know. So there's false teachers in the church. Well, how do we know, Phil? How do we know if, if teachers are trying to exploit me? Two things I want to talk about. One comes straight out of this passage. <clears throat> Again, in verse three. In their greed, in their greed, they will be exploiting with fabricated stories. The first thing is greed. 
Second thing I'm just going to add, because I think it's throughout Scripture, is that it has to line up with the Word of God. It has to line. It doesn't matter if they're a spiritual leader or a religious leader or a pastor or a priest or a saint or whatever they like to call themselves. If it doesn't line up with this book, it ain't it. That's not it. So the first thing is greed. This comes straight out of the scripture. Let's talk about this. If a teacher in the church is leading you and the, the giving of the congregation to God's work has ended up in excessive wealth of the one leading, I'm just going to put it out there. That seems to line up with what this is talking about. And I'm not talking about anybody specific. That's not the goal here. Um, I'm simply asking us to challenge ourselves to look at material greed, excessive wealth that has literally come from the church. That, that, to me, that, there's a problem there. And this highlights greed. So if the pastor has a Lamborghini and like a, four giant mansions and wears designer clothes, I'm, I will simply submit this. Let's, let's discern what this means for ourselves. Let's decide who we should be listening to based on this passage. Fair? Fair. Now, there's other levels of greed. Uh, so greed could be leading people to intentionally exploit our emotions, our feelings, our past, our present. Uh, the Greek word for greed here, I had to look it up to make sure I wasn't going too far off with this idea, but the Greek word is pl uh, pleonexia, and it's, it means greedy desire to have more covetousness, and material gain. So anyone teaching or leading in a way that benefits them, which could be popularity or stature or attention, we just have to be wary of greed and following people that this is saying may be leading us astray. I'll just be honest with you, there, there are what I'll call internet pastors that I've regularly listened to that I do not listen to at all anymore. Like not a single message. Because I feel like it lines up with this. And I feel like the word of God is telling me you're being led astray. So I'd encourage you for yourself, discern that. Who are we following? Why are we following them? And does it line up with the word, which is the second thing that we have to be looking for. Uh, and of course, I'm adding this, so please take that as is. But it's all over scripture. If teaching doesn't line up with the word of God, we should not be following it. There are plenty, and I'm sure there's times I've done this, that Jeff, Mark, Ben have done this, of teachers, preachers, pastors, that, that are just frankly not in line with what God says, therefore leading us astray. Now, the difference is that with, for us, for example, we have pastor's meetings where if something wild is said, I will have Ben or Jeff or Mark come up to me and say, Phil, that was hot garbage. <laughs> that was not the truth, and we need to talk about that. And I'm like, okay, I feel embarrassed, but yes, I'm open to it. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has people checking them. Not everybody has, uh, you know, whatever, like the, the uh, things in place to make sure to check us, to make sure that we're really lining up with what the word says. So for any time and any of us that we follow someone to listening, to teaching, again, even just YouTube preachings, we just have to be checking it against the word of God. He could be the most charismatic man ever that you've listened to, and it doesn't mean just because you left feeling motivated doesn't mean that you left holy. So let's just be looking at these things when this idea of do not even entertain those trying to exploit us. It is our job as believers, this is for every person in every seat in this room, it is our job to know the word of God and be looking for the signs, greed, depraved conduct, it's against the word uh, of false teaching. Looking for the signs of false teaching. And I would encourage you, if maybe you aren't 
the, the biggest Bible scholar, that's okay. I feel like I have so much to learn too. But then get around people who can encourage you. Get around people who can push you the right way. Ask people, like, is this right? I just listened to this sermon and he just basically said that if I give to the church, I will be blessed 10 times back. Ask somebody because I, you're probably still going to drive the beater around for the next 10 years. Again, I have a, I am a man of the Lord and my car currently has a spare tire on it, okay? So let's not entertain those looking to exploit us, but instead be pursuing the word of God, the truth of the word of God, and surrounding ourselves with people and influences that are pushing us that way. And then Peter, in just amazing, beautiful fashion, which is typically how the Bible works, is he follows directly up with this visual reasoning as to why it's so important to be aware and to avoid these types of teachers. So if I didn't give you enough yet, and you're like, I'm still not bought in, Phil, I'm still going to go listen I almost just threw a name out there. That would have been disrespectful. Uh, but he's, he's in my head right now, so pray, you know, we'll pray for that man. Um, he follows with why. Visual, reason, visual reasoning for me of why we need to be so intentional about this. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw the point up, and it's a tough one. But it's this. God does not spare sin for those led astray. These are not Phil's words. This is the word of God comes directly out of verses 4 through 11. I'm not going to reread it all, but I'll encourage you to just be looking through it. But he talks about how God didn't even spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell. Chains of darkness, judgment. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. He talks about Noah. He talks about how God put the appropriate judgment in times that people were not following him. People were led astray, which is the entire point of this. And he talks about how he also saved the righteous. He also saved the righteous. So that's what we're going to talk about in this point. But a hard truth, something that we don't like to talk about or share with people. Like I would encourage you if you're witnessing to someone in Walmart. I don't know how many of you do that. I do sometimes. Don't start with this. <laughs> Hey, friend, I love that shirt you're buying. God does not spare sin for those led astray. So the, that turkey looks pretty good. But did you know? God does not spare sin for those led astray. Don't start with that. And yet, this is so important, right? This is so important. This just makes me think how, how like, huge this has to be for us to understand. Like, there's 2 point, listen to me, family. There's 2.8 billion people that claim to be Christian in this world. We're the largest world religion by, you know, numerically speaking. And yet Matthew says, enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the road of destruction. And here Peter's talking a lot about destruction. And we parallel the two and we see that that road for destruction, that road of the things we don't really like to talk about all the time, it's kind of hard because it's like, you know, and I'll get into that in a second. It says that road's wide. So for me, 2.8 billion people, oh, like over a fourth of the world claiming to be Christians doesn't line up. And yet there's only one truth. So a challenging uh, idea for us is that in the end, those who don't truly know and follow the truth, God will deal with appropriately. We've been told that a hundred times. I'll just bring it home. Before I met Jesus Christ in this auditorium, in 2013, I think, I would have went to hell and I called myself a Christian. 
It's weird to say out loud, huh? But I would have. I didn't know him. I claimed to know him, but I surely didn't. Because when you really meet him, you know if you know him. And that's not condemnation on anybody that might be unsure, but I encourage you that's as available for you this morning as it was for me 10 years ago sitting over there. And I want to just challenge us this morning, myself included, that there are huge amounts of people who go to church every Sunday and they're not on the narrow path. They're on the wide one. And do we say that because we're like this condemnation preaching church? No, we're called Grace Fellowship Church. We're basically like, God loves you so much and come hang out. That's our church name. And then we added Shrewsbury on the end because there's like five Grace Fellowships. No, we're not doing that to make anybody feel bad. We're doing it as an invitation. An invitation away from something and to something that so many people haven't accepted yet. So many people that I know in my life who've not said yes to the life-changing truth of Jesus, and it's just the best thing you could ever do. And then you're like, well, people are like, why well, do I have to be perfect then? No, you can say yes to Jesus and mess up 13 milliseconds later, and he still loves you. Just don't mess up every 13 milliseconds, you know. Peter here so clearly is just giving examples from the Old Testament stories. Again, I would encourage you to read this and study this for yourself, but he's giving these examples of how God does not spare the ungodly. He doesn't spare unrepentant sinners, and it's just not a popular teaching. Like, this isn't the clip that's going to go viral on TikTok from the good-looking ripped pastor, you know what I'm saying? I'm not not calling me that. I'm saying those are the ones that you... I'm a dad, guys. Why did you laugh at that and not some of the other jokes? I just, I just, I'm about, I'm about to walk off. No, I'm kidding. I love y'all. We're supposed to have fun here. But this isn't, right? This isn't the clip that's going to go viral, but that's exactly why we're talking about it, right? Because this isn't the thing the culture wants to hear. This isn't the thing that even maybe Christians want to hear. It's not the thing that church as a whole wants to hear, and yet that's what Peter's saying, and it's what we're talking about now. If our faith and belief in Jesus, friends, is nothing but love and joy and peace and patience and forgiveness, which to be very clear, it is all of those things, but nothing about judgment, punishment of sin, hell, you're listening to false teachers and believing false things. It's both. You know what's crazy to me? I looked this up this morning. 40%-ish of active, like, Orthodox Christian community don't believe in hell. Exactly. To be specific, 31% don't believe. 11% are unsure. The word hell is in this passage. What book are we reading out here? But, but, but I say that kind of facetiously, and yet the Bible talks about hell over 40 times, and Jesus himself talks about it. Well, why don't we like it then? Because it's hard. And we live in this culture of, it's, and I'll, have, I'll even word it this way, a dangerous culture of if it's hard, just avoid it. I shared this story a few maybe months ago, but I had a young adult come to me and ask me a very simple question. He said, well, if I'm choosing a religion... And Christianity is really the only one that talks about a hell. Why would I pick that one? And it just embodied for me the weak culture we live in. Of If it's hard, we avoid it. Friends, hell's real. And you know what I said to him? I just simply said, brother, you can believe whatever you want, but it doesn't make it right. Go ahead and pick the easy one. You want to pick Buddhism because you can come back as a butterfly? 
and feel good about yourself, sure, pick that one, doesn't make it right. I wonder how many in our culture, maybe even us at times, are a lot more like that young man than we give ourselves credit for. We love the idea of Jesus' love and grace and peace, and those are all very available real things, but we do not want to talk about judgment. We don't want to talk about hell. When someone talks about, well, Sodom and Gomorrah, your God did that. I'm like, yeah, he did, so pay attention. And some of us are like, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird one. Like, yeah, he flooded the whole world, but I don't know if he really did. You know, Yes, he did, because things were happening that shouldn't have been. So start paying attention so he doesn't do it again. Well, he's not going to give us the rainbow, but he's going to do other stuff. Like Alex said, he's going to, I don't, is that from Revelation? He's going to come down with a fire? That's crazy. That's a weird picture to me. I went home and drew it, you know. In fact, friends, I would even encourage us in this. When we feel conviction of sin, when we listen to hard things, when we hear hard teaching, it actually should be hard and it should convict us and it should change us and it shouldn't let us stay the same. And when those things happen, that's actually God's love for you. I've often defined conviction, which we don't like. We don't like being told we're wrong. We don't like feeling bad about stuff and all that goodness. I get it. I've told my young adults quite a few times, if you feel convicted, that is God actively loving you. I mean, that is him actively loving you. And we don't want the hard stuff, right? We don't like the hard stuff. We don't like when people tell hard things, and yet God is like, that's me trying to change you to love you for the better. So we have to pay attention to these things, and I think we have to be careful, and I would even say we need to be careful that we're not denying truth without even knowing that we're doing it. But I think there's one other side to this, and we'll close up with this. We need to know and be encouraged that as we talk about false teachers and as we talk about being led astray, we kind of talk about these hard topics of conviction and condemnation and all the balancing of all these things, judgment, hell, all of the above. We need to know, and this passage tells us clearly, that God handles false teachers, he deals with the unrighteous, and it can give us peace that it is not our job to change things. You may have situations in your life, and I know I do, where you're wondering, how could this be? How can you know, this be going the way that it's going? Why is this person walking so far away? Why are they believing these things, even though I'm trying to love them and pull them back? And all this frustration that can come with that, and yet while we're here on earth, we might not understand, but we can trust that God will handle it, and it's his to handle. Anybody got people in their life who have been led astray? and you're watching them walk the wrong way, you're watching them go ways you would not want for them, that God does not want for them, and you're confused about how to handle it, and it's frustrating because they don't listen to you, probably specifically family. I have family members who I love deeply, who just the frank truth of the matter, they've been led very far astray, and they will not listen to a word I say. This tells me God handles it. And I can have a peace knowing that his plan is perfect, So I hope that encourages someone in the room like God's got it. God's got the people who have treated you wrong. God's got the people misguided. God's got the people led astray. God's got the people that are uh, the prodigal son. Fill in the blank. He's got it. He covers it. And he's perfect. And he knows exactly what he's doing. So then my other question is this. This passage gives a bunch of adjectives and metaphors for what these people will be like. And don't elbow, you know, your husband when I read through this list. But it says bold and arrogant, unreasoning, 
reveling in their pleasures, experts in greed, love wickedness, springs without water, boastful slaves of depravity. I just pulled some things from different areas in scripture and you might have people in mind, I hope they're not sitting next to you, but my challenge to you is that if God's got them covered, your job is not to change them, it's to pray for them. I have felt the weight of feeling like I have to change someone. I have to fix the marriage. I have to pull the person back who walked really far away. I have to heal the hurt in these people's lives. I have to do this, that, and the other. And Peter here, to me, so clearly is saying, no, 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 no. I change them, you pray for them. And this is hard. But praying for people who have been this in your life, been the hard people, been the the ones that are far, been the ones walking away, It does two things when you pray for them. One, it softens your heart for them. I'll tell you, there have been people I've been furious with. Frustrated, annoyed, disappointed. I mean, you guys know the adjectives of frustration, okay? I've had these things, and the minute I pray for them, you know what I have for them? God's love. And I didn't have it before. So when we pray for those that have been led astray, It softens our heart because we start to see them the way that God sees them. And how about this? The way God saw us. The second thing that it does is you're opening up doorways for God to intervene. It's crazy to me that prayer is something God is fully sovereign, right? He he knows what we're going to pray for. He knows when we're going to pray it. He knows why we're praying it. He knew it before we even were born to start praying it. He knew all these things, and yet he still says to pray. Why? He wants our interaction. And when we pray, it actually shifts things in the spiritual realm. We talk about this as pastors all the time, where we'll pray. And and Mark Fair is specifically good at this. He'll be like, something just shifted. Did you feel that? And it's funny because then most of us will be like, yeah, I did feel that. I just didn't know what it was. It's opening up doorways for God to intervene. You feel like doors have been shut after shut after shut. you got the kid who's astray. You've got the family members who are astray. You've got best friends who you found faith and they didn't. And it just feels like closed door after closed door. God's the one who opens them, so talk to him. It opens doorways for God to intervene. And when we see people being led astray, when we see people, friends, family, people we love, listening to false teaching, following bad influences, we should go right into intercession mode. Intercession just means getting in the middle. You know what's crazy? My mom, she's crazy, but I love her. If you know my mom, you know she's crazy. It's probably where I get it. And when I was wilding out in college, and I was, oh goodness, a lot of you all heard my story, but I was a whole fool for two, three years. Once I, the Lord got me, and, and it was him. I mean, other people played a role, but the Lord got me sitting over there by myself, whatever. My mom hands me a notebook. I think I've shared this before, but completely full of prayers that she had never told me she was praying. She had just written out prayers for me. And I'm telling you, while, of course, I know there was other people praying too, I believe those prayers opened doorways for God to intervene. My question is, if you're frustrated and someone's walking away, are you praying for them more than you're trying to change them? When we see people being led astray in these things, it's our job to pray. So if you're in the room and you feel discouraged because you read a point like this and you're like, oh my gosh, I know people that this applies to. I do too. I know people who this applies to. 
And yet, I just need to encourage you with this. Discouragement isn't from God. God is in control of that, and we have the role of intercessor. So pray, love, be gentle, display the heart of God, and leave the rest to him. Amen? Because what that does then is it relieves a weight off of your shoulders that was never yours to carry anyways. And when you're free from that weight, you know what you actually do better? You love those people better. Because you know it's not your job. I'm going to close with this. Because while this is a hard message, it's a challenging message, it uh, could in some ways be... I don't want to say discouraging, but it could be stirring our emotions and thinking about people in our lives and thinking about hard things. I already have a couple people in my mind. Romans 8, 32, Ben gave it to me right before the message. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give all things? While this is a hard passage, but a true passage, it leads us straight back to the cross. It leads us straight back to Jesus. Because while God does not spare sin for those led astray, which is a hard truth, and hell is real, for any person that would come to Jesus, he did not spare his own son for you. He did not spare his own son so you could be spared. This does not have to be the truth for anybody. Any person, even in this room right now, if you've never said yes to Jesus, Romans 10, 9, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's not complicated. This is no longer true for you. Why? Because Jesus wasn't spared so you could be. And if you're in Christ in this room right now, we could preach this every single week and it should never get old. God's son was spared for you so that you could be spared. And if you're in him, you've been spared. Amen. That's our faith. That's our God. That is our Jesus. And that's why we show up to worship him every single week because he's worthy of every second, every minute, every day, every week. He hung up on that cross so we would not have to. So please know him today. And if you know him already, that's beautiful. Continue to know him. Continue to learn. Continue to grow. Don't be exploited by people trying to lead you astray. Lean into Jesus, the one and only truth, the one and only God. Because he's amazing. He is amazing. He's our firm foundation, which is what we're going to worship here in a second. That's our Jesus, if you would pray with me. Father, we thank you that while there's people trying to pull us away. There's people uh, pulling our loved ones away. There's all of these tensions in the culture, and there's an enemy who hates us. There is a God who's infinitely more powerful, who loves us, who was willing to send his son and not spare him so we could be spared. That is our faith. Father, we thank you that you would do that for us. We love you for it. <clears throat> and if you never did anything else for us, you did enough. So I ask for every person in this room as we worship and leave today that we would just be so in awe of how beautiful you are. We would stand on the firm foundation of the truth of the word of God and of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, and never stand on anything else. And Father, if there are areas in our lives that we are being exploited, that we're following false teachers, that we don't even know about God, would you just gently show us? Would you just gently, even in this moment, just let us know, hey, no more of that.
No more of them. No more of this. It's okay. I love you. Just come back this way a little bit. Father, would you just lead us? And we thank you that you will. We thank you that you're gentle and kind with us, even though we don't always deserve it. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you because you're the only one worth worshiping. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. If you guys would stand up, let's worship our Savior.